What's happening, SEC fans? Welcome into the Locked On SEC Podcast, a part of the Locked On SEC Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy. Excited to be here with you as we gear up for one of the craziest SEC football seasons yet. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your next order. That is BuiltBar.com. Today on the show, we finally have percentages for all SEC schools on stadium capacity. LSU, they just announced theirs today. So we're going to run through what game days are going to actually look like on SEC campuses this fall. Also, really excited to hit on some SEC topics with our buddy Chris Marler from Saturday Down South. I know he will have some thoughts on this no-tailgating mandate from uh, many of the SEC schools. How do you not have tailgating on SEC campuses? We'll discuss that. And lastly, uh, NFL teams, they set their NFL rosters this week. A mind-boggling number of players coming out of the SEC making the final 53-man rosters at the pro level. So all that coming your way. But first, a little bit about myself. My name is Chris Gordy. I've been covering the SEC for going on 15 years now. I'm an LSU graduate. My wife is a Kentucky graduate. And many of my close friends went to schools like Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, AM. So when it comes to SEC schools, let's just say I'm always on top of the latest news because they're always texting me and telling me, oh, did you see we got this recruit? Hey, did you hear this guy got suspended? Hey, what about this guy? So it's always fresh in my mind. And honestly, have a friend from all 14 SEC schools, so I'm always on top of it. Um, in fact, I've worked both in radio, TV, print all throughout the years, and no matter where I've lived, I've always been a diehard SEC fan. And so I'm really excited to bring you guys some daily SEC talk here on the Locked on SEC podcast. And be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You will get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. All right, let's jump right into it. LSU made their announcement today. They are implementing numerous changes to their game day policies, and Tiger Stadium will be open to fans for the 2020 season at a 25% capacity. We saw just a couple of days ago Florida set their stadium capacity at 17,000 and will require fans to wear face coverings. Uh, One other positive is Florida announced their COVID uh, test results today among their student body. One football player tested positive so far in the month of September. You'd love that number to be at zero, but the fact that we're a week and a half into September and they only had one football player test positive, that's tremendous news. So hopefully we're trending in the right direction with, with this, but the SEC stadium capacities are basically set. You got Auburn at 20%, Alabama at 20%, Arkansas is between 21 and 23%, Georgia said between 20 and 25%. Almost everybody is between the 20 and 25% capacity, which makes sense, right? But it's also great in in an aspect of look at all these other colleges and even NFL teams of teams that are not allowing any fans until further notice. We've seen this across the, the landscape. Look, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 aren't playing football at all. So the fact we're getting SEC football is a win in itself that we get to see these teams play week in and week out. And not just, I mean, look, man, it is awesome that we're not going to have any cupcakes. Forget Auburn versus the Citadel. Forget Georgia versus whoever. No cupcakes here. No, you know, games, non-conference games to get everybody healthy. Like, it is straight, unadulterated, pure adrenaline week in and week out with SEC versus SEC. Like, every week we're going to have at least 
three or four massive matchups. Now, I know week one is kind of the week we get some of the the scrubs versus the big dogs out of the way. I think the, the one game that's got me really excited is Auburn playing host to Kentucky. I know some people may not be intrigued by that one, but Kentucky is pretty loaded this year. We'll get into all the game previews next week, but one, I'm just excited to have SEC football back. But on the flip side, the fact that we're going to let fans into every one of our stadiums, I know it's a quarter of the stadium. That's still a several thousand fans based on whatever the stadium capacity is. I think that's a tremendous win. Look, you're going to have to follow the protocols of whatever they tell you to do. You got to wear a mask. You got to sit in your seat. You can't get up and roam around. You can't get up and run back and forth to the bathroom or the concessions or whatever. You'd have to take what they can give you at this point. I think we've all been blindsided by what 2020 has brought us and our whole worlds have been thrown you know, for a loop and we don't know what's coming tomorrow. But the good news is we have a plan and the SEC stood firm. Kudos to everybody in the SEC office in Birmingham for kicking the can down the road and saying, look, we're we're not going to cancel the season. We're going to just wait and see. We're going to push this thing back and see you know, when we can start playing. And yeah, it's a couple weeks later than we were supposed to play, but the fact that we're playing is awesome. One other tidbit to note for the games, though, the bands will be restricted in just about every stadium for performing on the field before games and at halftime. They said a policy could be revised during the year. Visiting bands will not travel to stadiums with decreased capacity. So a little disappointing in that realm because we've become so, you know, the bands are a tradition of the SEC. We're used to to seeing, you know, whether it's Alabama or LSU or Georgia, seeing the bands uh, on the field at halftime. It is what it is. We'll have to deal with it as as it comes. Uh, they also put out some protocols saying they they you know as few people on the field as possible. So that means I don't know if we're gonna have cheerleaders. I don't know if we're gonna have, you know photographers will be limited. Media will be very limited. I know some schools have said the press boxes they're cutting in half. It'll be fifty percent capacity. So these are just all the things we're having to deal with. And again, we'll take it. If this equals us getting SEC football and getting back into action in just a couple, you know, couple of a uh, handful of days now, a little over two weeks, I think we'll all take it. But again, the big news of the day: LSU announcing that they are going to be at twenty-five percent capacity. We know Neyland Stadium said they're going to be at twenty-five percent capacity for the Vols' home opener on October third in Missouri, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M have all said twenty-five percent. So. You take it with with what with what they're giving us, and if you could be in the stands, it is what it is. Now, me personally, I like to go to a couple of big games a year if I can. I got a buddy who goes to Texas A&M. We normally make the drive out to College Station and go to a game. Typically love to go whenever Alabama goes to College Station. They haven't beat them yet since uh, the Johnny Manziel uh, matchup, but still, those are those have always been a lot of fun to see. Uh, and try to make it to an LSU game, and then try to head out to East to see at least one game a year. Look, it's probably just not going to happen this year. And to be honest, spent a lot more money in the uh, home theater system. That, you know, in the recent years with a bigger TV, high definition, 4K. I'll be just fine in front of my uh, living room setup watching a lot of the games on TV. But I understand a lot of you are passionate. You want to go there. You want to support your team and be there in person. It's just going to look a little bit different this year. And that brings me to my next point. A lot of the schools have implemented. I know Alabama said it a few weeks ago. LSU said it today. No tailgating. And that is one that really stings because that is part of the culture of the SEC is 
tailgating. That is part of what we have come to know and love about this conference. Who's cooking? Who's getting out there the night before to set up the tent? Who's bringing this out? Oh, or you, did you bring enough chairs? Oh, Miss Carroll's driving in with the RV. I mean, it's just there's so many different parts of the SEC game day that revolve around the tailgating, and we're not going to have it. Now, I am curious to see how this is going to work in some of these college towns because if you're talking about you know outside Stanford Stadium, people pulling up in RVs, are all the cops going to run out there and say, sorry, you can't park here? In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, if they're parked all along outside Tiger Stadium, are they going to say, you can't park here? In Tuscaloosa, are they going to come and say, all these cars parked on the side of the road, you guys got to move? I'll be really interested to see how a lot of these towns police it because, man, it is uh, it is going to be tough to tell people, especially if it's thousands upon thousands of people showing up. You know, And what if they're just sitting outside of their RV with a barbecue pit and they, everybody's wearing a mask and everybody's social distancing? I don't think anything's wrong. Anything is wrong with that, but maybe they're just telling people no tailgating to just try to discourage people. Maybe it is just if it is just a handful of people, they'll let them let them be and say, "All right, well, you guys just don't roam around, walk around, or whatever." I don't know. I'll be curious to see what it looks like, but I know this: SEC fans live for tailgating. It's going to be hard to tell these folks don't come out here. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks when they start playing some home games here. Will the police be turning people away left and right? That will be interesting to see. All right, in just a minute, we're going to talk with Chris Marler from Saturday Down South. We'll get his thoughts on the stadium capacities for the SEC as well as some under-the-radar players going into this SEC football season. But first, a quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They are the best-tasting protein bar ever. I know a lot of those protein bars out there you get at health stores. They look good, and once you open them, they have that gross, chalky taste, and you end up taking a couple bites and throwing them away. That is not the case with Built Bar. They have got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones. My favorite, the cookies and cream. It is so good, you don't even realize what you're eating is actually good for you. You can grab one after a workout. Or look, if you're just looking to lose or maintain your weight, try to get away from some of those fast foods. This could be a great option for you if you're looking to go down that path. Built Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And just head to BuiltBar.com. You want to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You will get $10 off your next order. But you have to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get $10 off. And you'll be on your way to eating better, feeling better as you get ready for this SEC football season at BuiltBar.com. All right, excited to talk all things SEC with this guy, Chris Marler. Saturday Down South is uh, his podcast and his website. He's been doing it for a while, talking all things SEC. So I figured nobody better to get in on the Locked On SEC podcast our buddy Chris Marler. Marler, depending on when people are listening to this, 16, 17 days away from the SEC season starting. Can you feel it? I, I can't. Let me, let me start by saying this, Gordy. You're, you're one of my favorite people in this business, and we've, we've known each other for, I, I want to say, years, which is literal and also, I guess, somewhat metaphoric since it's when I first started. But I just I couldn't be happier for you. Congratulations on the new gig. Um, and now, yeah, let's talk some football. I, I, I can feel it. I'm super excited. Um, it's just, it's been one of those years where it's been the worst. Everything's been the worst. And I think that I hate to say this, um, cause they usually say it's like, man, we really need sports or we really need football, but like we really, really do this year. And, uh, and I can, I can really, I just, if, even if it's just from the Twitter arguments, like I can really feel that it's right around the corner. It's about to be here. And 
man, I can't, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have a Saturday where I get to ignore all of my fiance's requests for yard work <laughs> and sit down on the couch for 14 hours uh, and, and become one with, with a drink in my hand and, and my butt on the couch. Well, let, let's start with the news of the day. Uh, LA, the news is out of Baton Rouge with LSU. They finally set their attendance figure at, they're set about 25%. They didn't give a, a number on that, but 25% capacity. They were the last team in the SEC to not you know, kind of officially announce it. So here we are, from Auburn to basically Texas A&M, Vanderbilt. Everybody said between 20 and 25%. Are you surprised that? where every stadium is letting people in because the NFL starts this week and they're a little different. Some stadiums have people, some people won't. Are you surprised the SEC is kind of going, all of them having some sort of capacity? Yeah, I, I really am. Um, I think it makes me happy to know that, that fans are going to be able to enjoy, you know, it's my favorite thing. I'm assuming it's, it's theirs as well and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I think it does, if you didn't have all of the schools do it, it may create some unnecessary dialogue, especially with the media. Of, well, this school's not doing. Why are they allowing this this school to do it? I think it's great because because I mean, college football is about it's about the pageantry and the tradition and, and and you know Death Valley and and going to Stanford Stadium and then all these places. And I, of course, I'm talking about the real Death Valley in Baton Rouge, just so we're clear. But it, it just I think that it would it would be a shame to not have that. On the other side of that, though. If we're being honest, I, I think it's an unnecessary risk and a variable, just an extra variable that you're kind of adding into the mix that really isn't necessary to have this season um, go, go forward. I, I think if you ask uh, any logical football fans, like, hey, what do you – do? You, like, at, at the most basic level, what do you want? I think they would say, I just want a football season. I want to get through a full football season. So for me, that is like a very precious, precious commodity and – and I don't want any extra variables thrown in that could chance us losing it, you know, once it's even started. And so, yes, I would have been fine with no fans. And, and the other thing that it is, too, is, and this is somebody that, you know, I, I'm, I had plans on going over to Tuscaloosa for the Alabama-Georgia game. And um, I don't know if you've seen the prices circulating on the Internet, but you're talking about for that game specifically, corner upper deck tickets going for $1,000. <laughs> and so it, it does open up a lot of um, – interesting and, and different turns and stuff like that. I, but like I said, like I, for one, I, I would not have necessarily made it included in this season, but I'm, I'm happy for the fans that get to go. Yeah, the thing that I'm going to be really intrigued to see how it's done, I know Alabama came out and said it a couple weeks ago, and LSU said it today, and I think a few other schools have said it, is no tailgating. And my question is, how, <laughs> how yeah. strong are those police departments in these in these college towns? Because I'll tell you right now, if 200 RVs show up uh, in Baton Rouge or Tuscaloosa and just park along the side of the road, like, are all the cops going to go up to, hey, you got to move. You got to move. Like, hey, I'm just parked on the side of the road. I'm not doing anything. Like, it, it just seems hard to believe that you're going to be able to prevent anyone from any kind of tailgating. I, I What I'm looking forward to most from this, and, and I think it's like, you know, it, it, what is it, man? It, it, part of it is you, you, you want the freedom to be able to do that and partake in, in your game day traditions. And the other part of it is like, damn, man, we've been, we've been cooped up for six months. Like, you know, you know my story. I've had to postpone two weddings to the same person, but still <laughs> two weddings. And so it's like it, it's one of those things where I think we all just want to get back to, I hate this phrase, but a sense of normalcy and, and like not a new normal but a sense of normalcy. And, and I tell you what I'm looking forward to most, and, and this is 
you, you can just bet, bet your ass it's going to happen. At some point, there will be a cop who's supposed to be enforcing the tailgates, and, and he'll be hunched over like a pot of gumbo, just taking a taste of something. He's like, come on in here, man. Come on. <laughs> and then, like, that'll get caught and go viral, and I, and I can't wait for it. Give me real quick what went down at Georgia. You mentioned Georgia playing Alabama, and that was you know supposed to be the marquee one of the marquee games of the year. What happened with Jamie Newman? Because I, I, we keep reading different reports about uh, he was going to lose the job, he wasn't healthy. What went down there? Because I think that was probably the shocker in recent weeks in terms of players opting out, Jamie Newman opting out of Georgia. You know, I think I think somebody got into his got in his ear and and kind of talked. You know, plan to see the doubt, and and this is a kid that, I mean, he really kind of finessed all of us in this entire this entire year, and, and rode this wave of momentum, and and, and you know, I just I just got propped up by the media and mainly pro football focus this entire offseason as, hey, look, here's a guy nobody knows about. Here's a guy that looked like crap against Clemson, and he finished his last five or finished five games in a row of last season with under fifty percent completion percentage, but. Pro Football Focus came out and threw out a bunch of numbers and, and stats that no one's ever kept track of except for them. It was like, he's our third-best quarterback returning. So now he's got to be a first-round draft pick, and now he's got highs and odds and all these different things. And by all looks, he, the kid looks physically, he looks the part. I mean, he, he's a physically impressive person. We will never know what he would look like, looked like in the SEC, but I think it's a kid where when you talk to some people, and I think close to the situation, it's a kid that might have had a lot more to lose than, than to gain. And, and you know, I know he would have helped his draft stock by playing and playing well in the SEC, but talk about a 10-game schedule in the SEC. Like, that's hard to get through physically and, and healthily. And, like, it just it's one of those things where also, you know, this kid, if, if you're given the, the chance to start at Georgia and play through the season, and, and you already know what kind of coach Kirby Smart might be and how he handles his quarterback, I mean, Kirby Smart wants to win. So what happens to a guy like that who's in his draft year if he loses the starting job and doesn't see the field, and then, you know, to a freshman coming off a torn ACL, what is his draft stock then? And I think somebody got in his ear and kind of planted that seed of doubt. And there, there are different types of players. There are players like, to be honest, how I was when I, when I played baseball, which is better on paper than, than having like that dog in them. And, and I think you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, there's nobody in the, in the world going to tell Joe Burrow he's not good enough and he can't do something. He's going to go out on the field and prove it. I think Jamie Newman might not have that same kind of competitive edge and competitive fight in him that a guy like Joe Burrow might have. And that's why he said, you know what? Maybe I can just go spend the next six, seven months working out in shorts and looking impressive on tape and just boost my draft stock that way. Talking with Chris Marler here, SaturdayDownSouth.com and part of the SDS podcast. All right, Marler, before we let you go, uh, and we'll get you on here again real soon, but with the season two weeks away, Give me, give me a couple of guys, maybe under the radar guys in the conference that you think are either prime for big years or are going to play huge roles for their teams that are not quarterbacks. Ooh, well, I appreciate you not telling me this beforehand so I can be prepared. <laughs> um, for one, well, let me give you, let me give you, I'll give you a few that I, that just came across my mind as I've been looking at rosters and, and studying all the teams. One, I got a buddy who's a diehard Tennessee fan. He's like Eric Gray. I think has to have. A huge yeah. year running back for 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 Tennessee. 
I, I got another buddy who's a, a Florida big Florida fan. I, I always mess up the guy's name, but but Mahmoud Diabate, the linebacker. Yeah, he's a he's a huge fan of his stud. So just those are a couple names that I'm throwing out there of guys that maybe aren't catching all the headlines because it's all anybody talks about the season. It's quarterbacks. It's oh, what's uh, Miles Brennan going to do at LSU and the Alabama quarterback and you know Ryan Holinsky at, at South Carolina. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks, but I feel like we ignore some of the other positions. Yeah, you know, I think I think when you when you really start to break it down, um, the kid from Florida, we had Cole Kubikon yesterday, and he he was in agreement with this. And that's in that defense with what Grantham likes to do and how much pressure he likes to bring. And you think about how this entire offseason, offenses have not been able to work together, and there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of turnover in this conference as there is every year, especially from a coaching standpoint. And, and we we looked at it yesterday, and, and my podcast partner Conor O'Gara brought up an incredible stat. In his first eight games this year alone, uh, Dan Mullen and Florida will go up against seven new coordinators. Now, that's including LSU, so basically six and a half new coordinators in that eight-game spread. So it, what does that mean? I think that you, when you're a, a kid playing in that kind of system, there are going to be a lot of numbers out there for you to go get and, and, and fill up a stat sheet. Uh, I love Racing McMath out of LSU, really high on him, especially with, with uh, Jamar Chase leaving from – just looking across the way. I don't think enough people are making it a big deal or a big enough deal out of how good Seth Williams is at Auburn. I think if that kid can find some consistency, uh, he, he will be special. Um, at Alabama, LeBron Ray is a kid that I thought was going to break out last year at the defensive end, outside linebacker position. Wasn't able to because of a foot injury. I think he has a huge year. Uh, and then another guy, stay on the same team there, Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore, it, that kid, he, he looks like a, a smaller version of Quinn Williams, and I think he's going to give a lot of teams fits. And, and there really, are, there's a lot of talent in this in this league, which I know sounds dumb because there is every year. But the last one, and, and I don't think the common fan knows this this name well enough. And if they don't, they should because Derek Stingley is the best player in this conference. A very, very, very close number two is Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Mizzou. Go look at his numbers from last year. The kid does everything, and, and I think those kids are, are prime for for a huge year. Chris Marler, SaturdayDownSouth.com. Always appreciate the time, my friend. We'll do this again real soon. Sounds good, brother. You have a good one. Chris Marler, Saturday Down South. Coming up next, more than 350 former SEC players on the initial 53-man NFL rosters. Which SEC teams led with the most? We'll tell you next. Hey, I want to remind you guys to subscribe to the Locked On SEC podcast. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. We're everywhere. I want to make sure you get the most fresh, up-to-date episodes of Locked On SEC every single day. Super excited to be here with you guys. Chris Gordy here. we got some great shows coming up uh, later this week as well. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, going to drop by as well as... Former Florida Gator and NFL tight end Ben Troop will also talk some SEC football with us. So loaded shows coming up later this week. You do not want to miss. Keep it locked right here to Locked on SEC. I mentioned more than 350 former SEC players are on the initial 53-man NFL rosters. One, that number is just staggering to begin with, the fact that you've got that many guys on NFL rosters now coming from just one conference. I mean, it used to be, you know, you had a handful from different schools. Well, now, I mean, it's staggering how many guys from the big schools. And really, if you look at the on-field success, 
it makes sense, right? When you look at the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Floridas, the Georgias, they all have the most. But leading the way, Alabama with 56 players on the initial 53-man roster. Uh, LSU second in terms of SEC schools with 41. Florida right behind them with 39. Georgia with 32. A&M 27. And then so on and so forth. Auburn 25. South Carolina 24. But when you look at some of the names, like I'm sure for those of you who play fantasy football and, and keep up with the NFL, I think you're a little amazed at you know all the SEC players that are ranked near the top just in terms of offensive production, you know, guys that you want in your fantasy football teams. But I was just running through the names and I, I was talking with a buddy. I said, Can you name the top five SEC players going into this season, this NFL season, that you know you think are gonna have the biggest impact or prime for the biggest year? And it's tough, man, because I start going through all the names, and you talk about just guys that are getting, you know, their big paydays, like Alvin Kamara with the Saints, uh, former Tennessee Volunteer and Alabama uh, football player. He's a big one. You got Mike Evans from Texas A&M now with Tom Brady uh, down there in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers. He's primed for a big year. Uh, you know, Houston Texans have two of their best defensive players, Bernard McKinney from Mississippi State and Zach Cunningham, who just got a big extension from Vanderbilt. So it's crazy when you look across it. But, man, how can you ignore the Alabama guys from Amari Cooper in Dallas, Kenyon Drake with the Cardinals, Derrick Henry may be one of the most important ones with Tennessee because he is the bell cow of that offense. You got Josh Jacobs, the reigning uh, offensive rookie of the year with the Las Vegas Raiders. Ryan Kelly, another kind of under-the-radar guy, former Alabama player who's the center for the Indianapolis Colts now with Phillip Rivers. So just to throw out some names, I'll give you a few more. One, I think the Georgia guys, Nick Chubb with Cleveland, Todd Gurley with the Falcons, and A.J. Green with Cincinnati, all kind of needing a, you know, almost like a prove-it year to justify the contracts that they're on. Your Constance, the, the the Pouncy brothers, with one with the Steelers, one with the Chargers, both former Florida Gators. And how about the two Auburn quarterbacks up in New England? We assume Cam Newton's going to be the starter, but Jared Stidham has been there in that system the last couple of years. How much has he learned, and how much can he push Cam Newton? So anyway, just thought I'd throw out some uh, some of the guys there. Of course, you got the two Ole Miss wide receivers, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, Prime for monster years. Laramie Tunsil is the franchise left tackle for Deshaun Watson in Houston. Jadavian Clowney going on a one-year deal with the Tennessee Titans, uh, representing South Carolina. Stephon Gilmore, probably, if not the best cornerback in the NFL with New England. And then you have Tredavious White, who's the number two, uh, probably the number two best cornerback from LSU up in Buffalo, who just got his big payday. So, uh, And then you got your trenches, guys. Fletcher Cox, Jeffrey Simmons, representing Mississippi State there. So it It is mind-blowing when you start running through some of the names and the talent that we watched play on Saturdays throughout the, the SEC, and now they're big-time – I mean, not just you know players in the NFL, but stars, big-time stars in the NFL doing it week in and week out. So anyway, just thought I'd run through that. Again, 350 former SEC players on the initial three – like when you talk about – the NFL, there's only so many teams, and they trimmed the roster down to 53. You didn't have preseason games this year. You didn't have, you know, you had limited training camp. And so, just speaks so much more to the dominance of the SEC. We know they set all the records last year with LSU, with all their draft picks, all the first rounders who go every year from the conference. And if you kind of sneak the peek ahead at some of the players that are coming out of uh, next year's draft or projected to go in next year's draft. Man, you talk about all the guys from Alabama, from uh, Jalen Waddell to 
you know, Dylan Moses. I mean, there it's name after name after name. You know, at LSU, you had Jamar Chase, who just opted out of this season and expected to go top five. So, man, it really is – it's an understatement when we talk about the talent of this conference, and we really do get the best of the best. You know, there's a reason why we follow recruiting as, close, as closely as we do. It's funny, talking with buddies at all different schools, they – you know, we're all into our 30s now and, and some getting older, and – we a lot of us still subscribe to our schools, you know, message boards and and recruiting services to get the latest on you know not just national signing day but the early signing day now, which has basically become the national signing day in December. So it, it's so interesting that we track these high school kids that are four stars and five stars and make a big deal out of them. But man, when you start to look on the back end and say it pays off for your school one when they get there and they become superstars for three years. Most of them leaving early after that, and and then becoming a star at the next level. It is, uh, it's certainly something to take pride in. I know we, I always joke about the motto for the SEC is it just means more. Well, it absolutely does because I think a lot of us like to keep an eye on what these guys do at the next level, and nobody is better than the SEC when it comes to priming out or pushing out NFL talent to the next level, and then those guys getting paid. It'd be different if some of these guys went and they're one and done and you know make a practice squad and then you're out of the league. But you're talking about guys, several of these guys that I mentioned uh, just uh, on the show today that are getting big-time paydays from uh, you know just this offseason. So it, it really is a lot of fun to see and take a lot of pride in being a fan of the SEC and the talent that we pump out. All right, be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast, the Locked on SEC. You'll get the latest episodes of our podcast as soon as it's available each day. And also want to remind you to check out the uh, Locked on Razorbacks podcast with my buddy John Neighbors or all things Arkansas. Man, they have been in the doldrums the last couple of years in the SEC, but they're looking to make a rise out of it finally. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.